Welcome to Grazia Life Advice, Grazia Magazine's podcast. I'm Hattie Crisell and each week I speak to women worth listening to, asking them to share six pieces of advice they really value and the worst piece of advice they've ever received. My guest this week is the writer Sarah Knight and brace yourself because there's going to be a lot of swearing. You may know Sarah for her book The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck which topped bestseller lists in seven countries and has been published in 20. It was the first in a series of what she calls No Fucks Given Guides and the latest book is Calm the Fuck Down which features straight talking advice on how not to freak out when things go wrong or waste your life on too much worrying. It's a surprisingly life-affirming philosophy and I know you're going to love her advice as much as I did. So, over to Sarah. So, Sarah, your latest book is Calm the Fuck Down, or Calm the F Down, I guess, if we were being polite. Um, What led you to turn to the topic of anxiety? Well, it was no surprise to me that people all over the world were in need of a little bit of uh, calming down recently in the last year. And personally, for me, it's the most necessary of all of my books just to talk myself into it and then to help other people figure out how to do it as well. That's interesting that you say talk yourself into it. Is it something that, you know, did you feel that you could do with calming the fuck down a bit? Yes, this whole book is basically an inner monologue to myself, reminding (laughs) myself why I need to stop worrying about things that I can't control and, you know, what to do about the things that I can. And has it helped going through that process of writing it? Do you have you applied it to yourself? Oh, hugely. I am taking my own advice on a daily basis and my life is much improved for it. That's great. I think that's always the hardest part to take your own advice. You introduce in the book the idea of free cap funds, which I thought was a good concept. Will you explain what you mean by that? Sure. So your time, energy and money are what is known in the parlance of Calm the Fuck Down as your freakout funds. And you can spend them freaking out about whatever has happened to you, you know, panicking, crying, punching a wall. Or you can spend them solving the problem at hand, mitigating the circumstances surrounding whatever has happened to you, or preparing for something that you know is about to happen instead of just freaking out about it. And in the book, I also introduced the concept of what I call the fourth fund. And that is goodwill. And that is not maintained by you. It is maintained by those around you. So that account needs to be topped up by you by not acting like a total fucking lunatic all the time (laughs) and thereby earning the goodwill and help and sympathy of people around you so that when you have a real crisis, instead of a fake one, a melodramatic one, a manufactured one, they will be there to help you. It's sort of a boy who cried wolf thing, but with swears. That's lovely. I've never thought of approaching it from both sides in that way. You've become a bit of a guru and known for your straight talking. What is it like to be that person? It is not any different than from when before anybody knew. I just am, I'm very bossy and now I have a megaphone Uh, (laughs) instead of just bossing around my husband and my family and my friends. Um, But I think that the message in the books are resonating with people because they're just coming from a very authentic place. It's just, it's who I am. It's how, as I mentioned, I talk myself down from the ledge and it's how I give advice to, you know, people that I know well. So why not be giving it to people that I don't know at all? Well, it's very nice to have a essentially professional advice giver on the podcast. So let's get on with the advice. Tell me about your first piece. So uh, when you're freaking out, I advise you to ask yourself what I call the one question to rule them all. And that is, can I control it? Everything in the book comes back to this essential question of if something bad is happening to me, if I know it's about to happen or if it just did, can I control it or some part of it? And if the answer to that question is no, why are you worrying about it? And 
people might say, well, because I am. But the rest of the book teaches you how to stop worrying about it. And if you can control it, great. Start doing so. You know, stop wasting your freak out funds freaking out and instead spend them on controlling the thing that is causing you so much anxiety. And what do you advise? I mean, I'm sure you can't summarize the entire book for us right now. But what do you advise in terms of dealing with those situations where you actually can't do anything to control it? but it's just playing on your mind and stressing you out. Well, I also have a concept in the book called the Serenite Shitstorm Scale, and it's a scale of (laughs) one to five, like a hurricane scale. One is this thing is highly unlikely to happen, and five is inevitable. So if you're worrying about something that is inevitable, for example, you're giving a presentation in two days, and you know you're going to give that presentation, it's definitely going to happen, but you're freaking out about it. I talk about what I call productive, helpful, effective worrying. And if that thing is inevitable, then focus all of your time and energy on preparing for it instead of worrying about it. You know, rehearse it instead of laying awake at night thinking about it. And then if it's something that you really can't control, for example, flying, I'm afraid to fly. I don't like it. I've never liked it, but I still go places because you have to be able to go places. Give yourself over to the idea that there is not a goddamn thing you can do about (laughs) where this plane is going, how it's going to get there and who's piloting it unless you feel like quitting your job and going to flight school for two years and learning how to do it yourself and focus on something else. And that's what I do. You know, I make myself busy. I redirect my mind. And in the book, I call that technique sleight of mind because okay. it's tricking. Yourself. What did you redirect your mind on on the flight over here? Well, London? mostly sleeping because over here it was an overnight <laughs> flight. Uh, but on the way back, I will be preparing a webinar for my Italian publisher about not giving a fuck. So that's oh, what I fantastic. plan to be doing on the way back instead of thinking about whether the wings are going to fall off. Okay, very clever. Um, your second piece of advice, I assume not one taken from your book. Tell me, <laughs> tell me what this is. No, I was asked the best pieces of advice I'd ever received. And I have to say... All of the women who've been telling you your whole life to moisturize, they are correct. I turned 40 years old recently. I wish I had been listening to them 20 years ago. I was not. Um, You look like you were, in fairness. I have been heavily moisturizing now for a couple (laughs) of years. But but it's so important. And now I'm here in London and the air is very dry and everything is very dry. And I've got seven different lotions and I'm ready to face the day. But it does definitely seem to be the... I don't want to get into anti-aging or any of that stuff, but it definitely does seem to be the answer to looking after your skin, doesn't it? Just I, I just, it. it's, you know, it's the answer to not having your skin all over your blouse. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Moisturize, do it, take it from me. Okay. Your third piece of advice, back to the book here. Yes. So my third piece of advice is break it down into small, manageable chunks. So in my second book, Get Your Shit Together, I say life is like an adult coloring book. If you just focus on coloring in all the little sections, eventually the big picture will materialize before you. And this is advice for people who say, I have this huge task and I don't know where to start. Or I have a million tasks and I don't know which one to start with. And I just say, you know, for example, my husband and I moved from, you know, we sold our apartment. We moved from Brooklyn to a tropical island. We learned new language. We built a house. This was something that we did over the course of a couple of years. And if I say it right now, it sounds kind of daunting. But all it was was not learn Spanish in one day. It was order a set of Spanish flashcards. You know, that's a small easy thing to tick off the to-do list and to feel like you're moving forward that will go toward you accomplishing the whole. So break it down into small manageable chunks. Did you have, be honest, moments of terror during that 
whole process where you were like, oh my God, this is just too big a thing. And Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, um, and in my new book, In Calm the Fuck Down, I talk about the four phases of freaking out, one of which is avoidance, which I call ostrich mode, where I literally do this. I get on my hands and knees and I put my head in a couch pillow and I stick my ass in the air and I just sort of like pretend that nothing is happening for a little while. And this is something that effective? Is that- it's, well, it's <laughs> soothing in the moment, but it is not long term effective. So you have to learn how to work around it. But I definitely during the course of our big you know, quitting my job, going freelance, writing four books in three years, moving house, moving country, definitely have those moments. And I'm not going to pretend that I didn't. Uh, yeah. But hopefully the techniques that are interspersed throughout all of the books will help people manage them a little bit better than I did in the moment. Yeah. When was it that you published your first book? It came out in the very last days of December 2015. So it's been three years. Okay. And a real intense three years. Indeed. Of a lot happening in a lot of writing and so on did you foresee all of this at that point or has this been a series of surprising small manageable chunks a series of fortunate (laughs) events Uh, I didn't foresee it I had worked in publishing for 15 years I was a senior editor I'd worked at all the major New York publishers and so I knew how it works you know sometimes a book hits sometimes it doesn't could be a great book that doesn't sell it could be a bad book that sells really well or anything in between so I really didn't allow myself to have high expectations I just I had the idea I thought it was a good one I thought I executed it well and then we'll sort of see what happens and it took off beyond what I could have imagined um the first book the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck and that spawned this whole series now of no fucks given guides and I just basically when people decided that they liked hearing what I had to say I was like well I have more where that came from so <laughs> luckily enjoy <laughs> um I definitely bought that book for a friend the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck what do you think it was in the idea that really captured people's imagination and led to it taking off in that way the most common word that pops up in the emails that I get from readers and the tweets and the Instagram messages is liberating they feel really liberated and I think that's partly because all I'm doing in that book is saying what most people are already thinking, but they're not sure they're allowed to think it. So the the subtitle is how to stop spending time you don't have doing things you don't want to do with people you don't like. And it sounds blunt, but who doesn't want to stop spending time they don't have <laughs> uh, with people they don't like doing things they don't want to do? And so, you know, I think that when people received the message from someone seemingly authoritative, you know, with a platform, oh, she wrote a whole book about it. It must be an okay thing to do. They started doing it. And all it is is setting boundaries. It's just understanding that you have a limited amount of time, energy and money to spend. And where do you want to spend it? And what's most useful to you? But people seem to feel very liberated. And I was certainly feeling very liberated when I wrote it because I had just quit my corporate job and gone on on my own. And there were a lot of fucks I was no longer giving. (laughs) that resonated yeah I think also I'm sure you've heard this a lot but your work is almost an antidote to the traditional self-help movement which we also love but you know that traditionally self-help has been quite soft and cuddly and um, (laughs) a little bit new agey Mm -hmm. and your style is obviously there's swearing which we love but it's a lot more kind of real talk do you think that that's been a part of the yeah, Success. I think that people who who already like self-help and who are already shopping on those shelves have come across my books and for the most part seem to really have enjoyed them. But I've been able to capture an audience of people, frankly, who are just like me, who think they don't like or need self-help. Or, you know, as I say on my website, the no fucks given guides are advice for people who hate being told what to do. And 
I am one of those people. So somehow I think we've been able to bring in a new audience of people who appreciate the real talk, but don't have a stigma attached to the idea of the self-help genre. And that's great because I'm just I'm just here being me. So, yeah. you know, if people like it, great. If they don't, they can move along. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so on to your fourth piece of advice. This one I think is probably perhaps more relevant to people when they're in the US than it is in the UK because it's about the tipping culture, which is quite different here. But tell me the advice. Okay, so so this is advice. I really do think it's quite useful. Maybe if you go on vacation somewhere else, that's not the UK. Absolutely. But if you're at an open bar, you're at a party, the bar is being provided for you, you know, for whatever reason, it's a work party, something. If you tip, even though theoretically it's free, just go up to the bar and give them $5 or whatever, whatever is the equivalent in your culture. And... Um, immediately and you will get served more free booze faster than anybody <laughs> else at that party and the same goes for all inclusive vacations if you go to you know Punta Cana or Cancun or wherever you might go yes technically you've paid for the whole thing in advance that's what all inclusive means but if you just give the nice man at the poolside bar $5 on the first day you are going to get the strongest fastest drinks you're going to get the best lounge chairs every morning somebody's going to be willing to save you the lounge chair so you don't have to get up at 7 a.m. It works a charm. And I, I feel that this is important advice. Yeah, no, um, that's very Even if very you don't useful. live in a tipping culture. <laughs> yeah, and also it kind of fits in with what you were saying earlier about goodwill. And like it, Indeed. Very useful in the it's world. the actual bank of goodwill. <laughs> yeah. The literal <laughs> Literal <bank>. version of <laughs> that, yeah. Okay. And your fifth piece of advice is from your mother. Yes, my mother once told me, never put anything in writing that you wouldn't want to see on the front page of a newspaper. And it's a very good piece of advice. I have not, unfortunately, always managed to follow it. There may be some things that will come back to haunt me yet. We'll see. But she was right. And I think, you know, honestly, we're seeing the garbage fire that is our global politics burn day in and day out. And there's going to be a few things that some people maybe put in writing that they shouldn't have that will hopefully be their downfall. So yeah. maybe yeah. they should have listened to my mother. Yeah. Maybe they should have. That's just always a good rule of thumb, I think. Listen to your mother. Um, my former boss once said to me, never put anything in an email that you wouldn't want to be read out in court, which I thought a was... A fine version of yes, this piece of advice. Very helpful. Yes. And I really remembered that because I think people do forget that all the time and they send off emails at work kind of slagging people off in the office and you know another just a tributary of this is if you leave your job for whatever reason they're gonna give your email address and your email account to somebody else so that the interim emails that come in so like delete everything before you go <laughs> yeah. don't have there be emails that are that you wouldn't want you know your boss or your assistant or your colleague to see because it is going to give somebody that email account so yeah that, so that nothing gets lost in the crossfire and you you don't want them reading your emails. Yeah. I think you would be a really good criminal mastermind. I'm getting that sort of vibe. I No comment. <laughs> okay. So your final piece of good advice. I love this one. So this is something that I said that I memorialized in my third book, You Do You. And I said, me time is a right, not a privilege. And I think that people toss around the word selfish a lot especially when it comes to me and my books and my outlook. And I just don't believe that selfish is a four-letter word. I don't believe that it's a bad thing. You can do it badly, but you can also be selfish in a perfectly productive and polite and reasonable way. And one of those reasonable ways is to schedule in if you need to 
your time, whether it's gardening or getting a massage or getting your nails done or sitting alone in a dark room, you know, whatever it is that allows you to relax and recharge or that makes you feel good or happy or whatever. If you feel like you can't do it because you have meetings and you have to pick up your kids and you have to go on a family trip, it's not true that you can't do it. Schedule it in. It's a right. It is your right to do something for yourself that allows you to subsequently be a happier, more well-adjusted, more kind, generous, you know, good mood kind of all around human for the other people in your life. So when we talk about self-care, it shouldn't be like a reward. Like it should just be a thing that you do. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not special. It should be normal. <laughs> you should always be practicing your own particular version of self-care, whatever that is. And it is your right. Yeah, I think self-care has really kind of taken off in the last few years as something that people are opening up a bit more space in their lives for. I think that's true. But also I get a lot of questions in interviews like these about, you know, is self-care overblown? Is it too much? Is it? And I'm like, no, of course it isn't. You know, just do whatever you have to do to feel good. Like, why are we, why are we allowing the culture that we live in to even suggest a blowback to the idea of self-care. Like, yeah. there should be no backlash on this yeah. point. Just looking after yourself. Do what you need to do. Yeah. You know. Okay, I love that. So, the worst piece of advice you've ever received. <laughs> Tell me this one. This was in the context of a, of a podcast I did recently at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. And for reasons unknown to me, one of the other guests was a rabbi. And I was talking about the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck and my not sorry method and all of these concepts that are central to my books. And he looked at me and he said, you know what would solve all your problems? Having a kid. Oh. <laughs> and, and I that just often solves problems for people. Right, yeah. And I just thought and my, my my response to him was what problems? Because I was so put off and, and taken aback by the idea that whatever it was I was discussing that has made me a globally bestselling author could be perceived as problematic and that the thing that would solve them, I, I don't have any children, so and I and I don't want to. So the, the idea that that is what would solve them, and he just looked at me in this very knowing way. You know what would solve all your problems? Having a kid. And I was like, I don't think we would get along yeah. in, in, <laughs> yeah. in life. What an old-fashioned response and also just so inaccurate I think kind of pushing people who don't want to have kids to have kids like who benefits from that situation it's puzzling in many ways yeah okay well you've been a fantastic guest thank you so much for coming on the show and congratulations on the book thank you for having me appreciate it thank you thanks very much to Sarah and you can buy calm the fuck down now it's a lifesaver Let us know what you think of the podcast on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag GraziaLifeAdvice. And please do subscribe, rate us, review us and share us. It really helps spread the word. See you next week for more advice from women worth listening to. Listener.